You are listening to Be the Love to Awaken Our Souls. We are souls on the journey, and our mission is to awaken all humans to a higher state of consciousness and live vibrantly as spiritual beings. We are here to open up the conversation to heal, awaken, and connect ourselves and the planet to a higher vibration of love frequency. I am Stacey Musial. And I am Brenda Carey. And we are your co-hosts at Be The Love Podcast. Thank you for tuning in and ascending with us. It starts with you. Everything you need is within you. This is your time. This is Adrienne Elise of the Supernova Soul Tribe. This is Mia Tarduno. This is Dig with Sacred Fire Arts, and you're listening to Be The Love Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of Be the Love, Transcending Through the Shadows. I am Stacy Musial. And I am Sam Fernandez. And we are your co-hosts and souls on the journey. And thank you so much for tuning in this week. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely be so grateful for a five-star written review on iTunes. Reviews really help our show become more visible and spread the word to others. And if it feels safe for you, I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a moment just to get centered with us. I'd like to begin by inviting you to take a beautiful cleansing breath in through your nose and out of your mouth, releasing anything that is keeping you from being present. And take another deep breath in through your nose, breathing in calm, peaceful, loving energy and breathing out anything you are ready to release. And take one more breath in through your nose, breathing in light and love for yourself and breathing out that light and love and sending it back to all of humanity, remembering that you always have your breath to come back to. Today we have Anita Mittal. Anita is an intuitive, trauma-informed, registered therapeutic counselor and Andean healer specializing in somatic anxiety body work, ancestral and womb healing, and hypnotherapy. Her social work background and conflict resolution background delivers strategies to calm the nervous system and heal the family system, whether it's present or generational. So thank you so much for being here with us today, Anita. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. excited. Me too. Excited to dive into this topic and and learn about what you're you're doing in the world and and um, but first tell us a little bit about your own spiritual journey and what has led you to this point. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Um, oh, it, it's such a long journey because um, it's it's been. Um, since yeah, uh, since I was young, when I was noticing spirit walk around uh, in my home, and and not being able to tell anyone about it until my sister actually started all of a sudden waking us up in the middle of the night because she wanted to sleep with us, um, and then it 
we never really questioned anything until, um, until like we both, we all saw, I have two older sisters. And, and so we all saw spirits uh, at the same time. And then it was after that event, we just started talking about um, that. Oh, you see them too. Yes, we do. And Oh my God, what is this? And, um, and then just kind of really just be keeping ourselves safe by not safe by not talking about it. Cause we didn't want anyone to think we were crazy. <laughs> um, and so I spent all my, all, all like the rest of the years, like growing up, watching spirits, being curious about spirit and, and why they're appearing in our home. And, you know, what, what are these messages that they're giving us? Um, it went so far beyond, um, <laughs> curiosity we actually started doing something about it and one of my my oldest sister introduced us to the Ouija board which probably not a good idea <laughs> um and so we spent a lot of time on the Ouija board speaking to spirit to try to see what was happening nobody really guided us we had no idea about what healers were or curanderos there was there was no one to model what was happening and the Ouija board was our model. And so unfortunately, the, the Ouija, um, we ended up, uh, I guess, connecting ourselves with a bad omen. And um, he, he told us his name was David. And, and then he was making it sound like he was a friend of ours and, and us being, you know, 15, 16, 17, we weren't even sure what was happening. Um, and so we didn't realize what we brought in. So needless to say, this the spirit actually came through to the house and, um, and was a, basically a poltergeist entity and created all types of chaos in my home, uh, in my parents' home, and it created um, kind of like a, a, like it created so much roadblocks in our lives and in, in our parents' lives that we ended up losing our, our home. We ended up, my parents ended up losing their job all of a sudden, like bad luck just came. And so then it was that time that we spoke to my mom about what was happening. And then uh, she ended up getting the church involved and, um, and we just started we started doing the work to closing up this entity and uh, it, it took a long time, but um, now, <laughs> but now we know better, right? Not to, not to play with the Ouija anymore. So, um, so because of that, because of that, it, this, and this was a huge, huge trauma. We were so scared of everything afterwards. We were so dysregulated because we, we still kept seeing spirits, but we were so scared about what was happening um, and how they approached us and what do we need to do to close it off. So I ended up putting up this huge wall and really just said, I no longer want to see anymore. Do not show me anything. And that was my declaration for, um, you know, when I started high school um, and, and then it stopped. It stopped. I had nothing. I had crickets. I didn't see anything. And it was really strange because my sister, she went on to accepting it and really started flourishing as a medium. Whereas I uh, said, I, this is not my life. I am not, I prefer to be an academia than, a, than, than opposed to being a, like a medium, a healer. And so it was like, it was such a, like we lived in two different parts and it was really strange because I was actually really missing um, 
missing seeing um, spirit around because sometimes they would show me such beautiful visions of their lives and different parts of the stories, different messages that I was I would give to my friends were no longer there. So, um, and so now fast forward to today, I've I've already I've been able to uh, really accept that this mediumship is mine. And, and now that there are more healers out there, experienced healers, now I have mentors. Now I have um, someone to talk with and, and show, um, and they're, they're able to guide me, right? And so now it's like, I have these wonderful boundaries with, my, with the spirits around me, but more so I was able to invite in my ancestors as part of my spiritual team. And they're the ones that I actually work with 100% all the time they're always with me that's um actually really interesting because um my childhood was pretty similar uh we i i'm one of five and we all have witnessed paranormal so you know ghosts and and spirits and all that kind of stuff and you know family members coming to us uh my my dad uh passed away it'll be two years uh upcoming in february and we've all had a visit from him one way or another. Um, and I was also one of those stupid kids that messed around with the Ouija board too and, and <laughs> invited some not fun stuff. Uh, um, yeah, actually, I, I had an attachment for about six weeks, a demonic attachment through a Ouija board. So I, I know what you're talking about. But um, I was wondering, though, because you... Uh, like you said, you were able to kind of um, almost like get over, not not get over, get over it, but you were able to kind of find a happy medium with it. You know, because you said that when when you were younger, you and your sisters just, you know, had this ex experience, this traumatic experience, and you didn't know what to do with it. And then everything went away and you didn't know what to do with it. And now you're, you know, you have the spiritual realm and you have the physical realm and you're able to kind of combine it with, like you said, with the help of your ancestors and your guides and stuff. Now, my question to you would be for someone like me who experienced that and like you who experienced it at such an early age and it was a traumatic experience and ingrained, you know, very deeply, I still, you know, see things and stuff like that. And it still, it still scares me a little bit. So how do you get beyond like that threshold of fear to where, you know, you, you have the control, you know, you, you have that confidence to either say, um, you know, I, I I'll invite you into my space or to say you're not welcome here and, and actually get that confidence. Yeah. I mean, it took a long time because I mean, there, mind you, if, if, um, if I see a new spirit popping around my house, I'm freaking out, <laughs> but the ones that I know that I hear that kind of walk by, um, it's about, for me, it's like compassion, right? Because these spirits are not, they're not coming here to wreak havoc. They're here because they're, they, they're attracted to you. They know you can see, you can hear. And so, you know, when I encounter, when I encountered the one that resides in my home, I was able to learn that he had once um, owned this land centuries ago. And, you know, and he was part of this you know, the indigenous tribe here in Alberta. And he's just a walk me through. He's not sure how to, he doesn't know how to go around with this world in the spirit world. So, um, you know, I just, 
I just throw compassion because there were human ones, at least most of them were human ones. And, and so I just say, I'm like, you know, I'm sorry, um, but you don't belong here. This is not your home. This is my home. And so, you know, and then I go back to, I always go back to ancestral teachings, which is um, what, what is my medicine to help me with this, right? What is the medicine that my abuelita gave me, right? So I'm going to take out the Palo Santo. I'm going to do a prayer. I'm going to go around the house and, and, and pray to each room and, you know, touch base with nature and have them guide me. And then, you know what? they don't pop by or they don't show themselves, right? Um, I, and, and for the most part, they don't show themselves because I've already, I already proclaimed this house as mine. I've already proclaimed that space as mine, but it took a lot of practice for me to do that. And the wonderful thing is my ancestors, um, who of course, I always say, you are always welcome to come and say hi. Um, they also guided me into protecting me right? And, and they come forward very strongly because their altar is being tented to every day. And when I, and when I, and when I tend to my altar and I talk to them every day and I've given them my offerings, um, they're, they're protecting me all the time. They know that I haven't forgotten. And so they'll always start coming forward. Does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, it definitely does. And, um, you know, when when you were talking about, you know, the Palo Santo and, you know, doing the cleansing and and all that kind of stuff. And uh, what came to my mind is, you know, uh, um, speaking with intent, you know, and, and, you know, for me, anyway, I believe, you know, that the universe does run on intention. So, you know, and of course, you have to believe for it to work. You know, because the the sacred Palo Santo, if you just think it's a stick, it's not going to do anything, you know. So, um, but no, that that definitely answers my question. And, you know, something that that I've also been interested too is, you know, connecting to your ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, like holding space for them, you know, allowing them to to come into your home, you know, and, and respecting that, you know, they were here first. And um, just kind of you know I don't know if you know you could kind of go about how you began doing that to to really get in touch with your ancestors yeah yeah so um so I just want to just say one thing about the Palo Santo with the intention so in the ghetto lineage um which is in um, the high the the high mountains in Peru and Andes they believe in reciprocity so um, Palo Santo is a gift from nature. So for it to work, you need to give to nature, which is why I always go outside and, and give something to, you know, Pachamama, so then she can give it back to me, which is the magic of the Palo Santo. And so, um, so how I got into ancestral healing was actually, um, we were, my sisters and I we were, of course, we were adults, we we're like, this happened maybe a few years ago when we kind of woke up and I think it was all that healing work. We were so, I think we were always so, we were always in flight fight mode and we were always disassociated because we had so much trauma growing up as as, as children. 
um, that we were never really inside of our bodies. We were never really truly aware of our surroundings. We just kept going and kept going like robots until like one day it dawned on my sister that, wow, like, have you ever really taken a look at our family, at our mom and dad? And so, and at that time she was just introducing me to somatic therapy. And so, and I was reading the book by Peter Levine. And so it was one of those things where I looked at my parents and I said, wow, like, look at this dynamic. How was my mom functioning? So then it became a curiosity about my mom and dad's history. And when I learned about my mom's history, like we cried for weeks because my mother um, went through so much as a child. Um, and I won't name all of them, but it was apparent to us that she was undiagnosed CPTSD. And so, and my dad was, uh, you know, he also had his own set of traumas. And so I'm like, so there was this awareness that, wow, we were raised with dysfunctional and dysregulated parents. And there, and, and it was like, I immediately kind of felt this kind of collapse in my body. It was like, I felt like I was, I sucked a lot because it was, I felt that burden. Um, I felt that guilt that I treated my parents like crap <laughs> and, and, but they didn't know better. They were also trying to survive. And, and then they raised us in the midst of their anxiety and, and, and their worries. And so therefore we became dysregulated because they were dysregulated and, and we, were all, we were all outside our bodies. So it, it became a lot of questions and curiosity about how far does this go? How far does the trauma go? How, rape, his, uh, war, uh, famine, poverty. How far does this go? Abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse. How far does this go in my family? Because when I interviewed my cousins, I interviewed, you know, my family, we've all been sexually abused. We've all had emotional abuse. We've all had something. We've, we've suffered from bipolar, from anxiety, from depression, but, you know, um, you know, we have this history, I'm like, what is happening? So we went back to source and then we went to our grandmother and, and luckily she's, you know, she's very lucid and, and she's hyper and she's active and, and she's just, just awesome that she was able to give us all this history on both my maternal and paternal side. And it was, and it was crazy because she was able to go two lineages back. And, and so it was, it was that, it was that point that we were like, wow, we have these beautiful ancestors with these beautiful gifts but also these tragic stories and, and being mediums and, and be, being mediums, we were able to, we were able to call upon them and access them in a way it's like, okay, who is this person? So, you know, um, and so what I do is cause ancestors come to me during dream time. So it's, it's never, it's never, I'm awake and I see them. It's like, just when I was, I'm falling asleep and I'm in that kind of like that hypno, um, visionary vision where I'm like conscious and unconscious. I usually say, um, show me what I need to know. 
show me what I show me um, what I need to know, what I need to feel, tell me who are you and or appear to me with messages. So I'm, you know, I do my prayers for my ancestors right before I fall asleep. And then that's when they come to me with their messages. So, um, so then I was able to receive um, kind of like that declaration of them accepting me into, into their world, into their, like the other world. And and showing me different ways of, of who they were and especially what their practices are. And so, um, so knowing that my, my ancestors are Peruvian Chileans, but there's a big history about Chileans. <laughs> um, we're born on the north side of Chile, um, and his, but historically it used to be part of Peru. So even though present time, my parents are known as Chilean citizens, um, but really their lineage is Peruvian. And so our lineage goes back to the Mapuche um, line and into the Andeans. And, and, and so through dream time, I was able to access their shamanic practices that were gifted for me. Um, and, and they were able to tell me how to start the healing process through the ancestors. And they would show me one by one who they were, um, but intuition and by the storytelling of my living um, family members, I knew which ones were the unwell versus the well ancestors. Uh, that sounds like it's been quite the journey for you, just you know, learning to tap into that energy and to trust those messages that you're getting. And, and so tell us a little bit about about just the healing that you've been able to do for yourself um, and your, your own family lineage, um, as well as maybe, um, yeah, how you've supported clients and what, what does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's been, it's been quite the journey and uh, you know, I'm always promoting that healing never ends. Right. So we're always constantly healing triggers are always popping up and, and I'm not perfect. I still have triggers. I, I still get dysregulated, excuse me. And I still have, um, I still have moments of temper tantrums, you know, <laughs> sure. but, but I, but my response is what matters. How I react to this is, is what's important. And, and that's what I always teach my clients that you're, we're not here for perfection. There's nothing to fix. Um, but let's respond differently. Let's react differently to, to these, to these things. Cause that's, that's our measure of health or of healing is how we react. Right. And so, um, so yeah, I'm still healing and, and it's the, the ancestral part, um, the way it helped my family is, you know, with, with the whole ancestral work, um, a lot of, a lot of it has to do with compassion and especially forgiveness. Mm -hmm. So we did a lot of forgiving work within the family. Like we're sorry, you know, we forgive you. Um, you didn't know better. Right. And even, even our, um, us as sisters, we were like, wow, I didn't know that was happening for you. This is great awareness. I now, I now see you. Right. And so I think that, that realization of everything and that ancestral pieces, we were able to uh, reparent ourselves, um, but especially reparent my mother. And that was the biggest thing was, was seeing my mom, not as a mother, 
But sometimes looking at her and saying, how old is she today? Because how she responded to things were very, um, were very unusual for us growing up. But then I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense how she reacted. She would have temper tantrums. She would fall on the floor. She would cry. She'd cry lots. But I get it now. So when I when I see her, you know, um, I always make sure that um, I hold her. I soothe her. She wasn't able to get that growing up. And um, so we do a lot of reparenting with my mother and which really helped us look, look at her differently. Um, and she's more human this way. I think moms, I think kids look at their moms, like they're not human, you know, like we're not allowed to make mistakes, you know? And so when I looked at her, I was like, wow, like I, I see you mom. Right. So, um, so forgiveness was huge for my whole family. So I think once we started um, accepting and then going through that forgiveness piece, we were able to move forward and just say, okay, now I understand my own nervous system, my own dysregulation, where it comes from, because now my, my body has now has a story and that story has been like revealed. And it's now it's like, oh, okay, now, now I see my compassion. Now it's like that love has come through, right? There's that mm -hmm. shine. And so, um, so when I'm working with my, with clients, um, especially when it comes to ancestral work, it's, it's, it's about, let's look at, let's look at things through their lens, right? Let's see if that's possible, right? So we're, we're always looking at different perspectives because that's how ancestral work, that's what, well, at least that's how I work is looking at different perspectives to gain a bigger picture and putting themselves in their mother's energetic field and putting their, putting themselves into their father's energetic field. So then, so this healing starts happening or even just seeing them happens. That's such powerful work that you're doing. I think, you know, and we can um, really see it from someone else's perspective and help our clients see that, you know, and really zoom out of the, you know, the micro, um, you know, when, when you're so caught up in your own experience, it's hard to get out of that experience, but having, you know, finding that compassion. And I just, you know, kind of also going back to what you were saying about, you know, just with your mom, I mean, that's a powerful practice, you know, a powerful being able to shift that focus of, you know, seeing coming out of that victimization, the, the blame and, you know, that where it, I think it can easily, you know, come to, you know, we want to blame our parents for, you know, how we turned out or, you know, something that didn't happen. And, and that goes into this like shame and blame, you know, victimization yeah. cycle, you know, and recognizing that our parents are just human too, you know, and when you can see that they're like those that, um, like how old are they, you know, going into their own traumas, where is that stuck in their body? And, and even, you know, being able to give your mom that maybe that love that she didn't receive when she needed it, you know, and that's how she's been spiraling or re reacting from, I mean, I've had similar experiences with my own family. And so when I came from a place of compassion and love, and I was just able to see them as human and not want to change them or expect them to, you know, give me what they couldn't give me at the time, you know, it really 
the energy just shifted the relationship and like my my awareness around that my energy when I came from that place I moved the energy within myself totally transformed the relationship and so it's just a beautiful powerful practice when we can really step out of that um I'm just wondering too, like if you could talk a little bit more about that, that reparenting piece, because that there's a there's a key and you know piece there, and that's such a powerful process when we can open up and realize that you know we have the power to give ourselves that of which we weren't able to receive at that time. Yeah, yeah, definitely, um, and you know, I. Um through my through my own healing journey i had to learn through books and you know all that when i was younger how to repair it myself so you know um and so when i teach this to when i when i talk to the, when i talk about this with um, any of my clients um there, there's just so much um resistance that comes to reparenting because I think there's that guilt that comes through like, Oh, but my parents are fine. I, I turned out fine. I don't need to reparent. And so, um, so, and, and so it's, it's funny how that those emotions start showing up for them. And so, so when we're finally at a point where like, they're like, okay, let's try this reparenting stuff. Okay. Let's, let's see what this looks like. So, um, so usually what I do is just, um, I look at, uh, we, I think after like being with them uh, for a long time, because uh, I always find that reparenting usually for me, it ends, it, it's kind of like an ending for me. It's not like how I begin any session. So it's like usually the end um, of our months together. Um, but um, I usually love to do kind of like that. Where, where have your needs not been met? right? If you were, if you were this age, what did you need from them? What did you need to hear? What did you need to feel? You know, so we go through these, these questions of what were they missing? What do they feel like they're missing? And so I give them permission, right? To, to feel that and know and validate. I think validation saying, yeah, of course you needed this, right? It's okay that you needed this. Um, I always love to put them in, in hypnosis when they're, um, when they're in hypnosis, I usually get them to meet that younger self that needed the love the most, right? So they're reparenting via hypnosis. They're visiting their younger self. They're saying things that they wish they heard and, um, and they're constant, they're, they're comforting them. So um, I've had great success doing this through hypnosis. Um, so where they can meet them at any time. So it's teaching them self-hypnosis so they can go back at any time on their own time. That's beautiful. Yeah. So it sounds like really just going in, um, bypassing the conscious mind. And so allowing those messages to really land where they need to. Mm -hmm. in a deep yes. way yes and, and imagine like how that is really transforming you know the past but also the future you know within their own lineage and their um you know their their the future generations and their you know selves and their families exactly 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 and i think that's what uh, um you know i i don't think people recognize how 
how like how much level it is when you're doing this work because you're also doing the work um, that your ancestors couldn't do. So you're healing them in the process because when you heal yourself, yes, you're healing your descendants and your and your kids, but you're also healing your ancestors, right? Because they're no longer living with shame that, oh, I couldn't give you this. I was too poor. Oh, I couldn't do this. You're, you're making them proud of you, mm-hmm. right? And so, and so your ancestors are healing every time you do something like this, such as reparenting or just, the, just healing in general, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone benefits from it. Absolutely. And to think how like this is really this work, you know, really is necessary to shift even just our level of um, consciousness on this planet and the healing, because really, I think, you know, you mentioned that your family was, you know, walking around out of body. And I just think about all the people I work with and, and people I know, you know, I mean, so many people are disconnected from their bodies without even recognizing it. And I think, you know, on a global level, I mean, we've got just trauma, you know, from, you know, all kinds of abuse, you know, and generational trauma, how, you know, our, um, how, how the North America was, you know, discovered and, you know, and, and genocide occurred and how like things, you know, that those kinds of things are like stored in, in cellular memories in, you know, in our bodies. And, and we're all, you know, no matter where we come from, I think there's always been some sort of like, you know, genocide or, um, you know, famine or, you know, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, physical abuse, you know, and so it's embedded in like everyone, whether or not you've been on, you know, what side of things, um, you know, and then a lot of that shame. And so we're, we're also dealing with a lot of like cultural shame and guilt and religious traumas and, you know, so it's, it's never ending. And so we're all, you know, feeling that on a very physical level. I mean, even, even, you know, our political climate now, I mean, Mm -hmm. there's no, (laughs) there's no feeling of safety. And so um, let's talk a little bit about that. Like, how are we like, you know, storing this trauma in our bodies? And because you, you know, you do some work with somatics. And and so um, that's a, you know, big area of interest for me, um, because our bodies remember, right? Our bodies keep the score. You know, you mentioned Peter Levine and, you know, um, and uh, what's his name? Bessel something. (laughs) I can't remember. Never can remember. I know. I always say Bessel van. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, they've done some really great work in, in, you know, somatics and, you know, how we store in the body, store trauma in the body. And, and so, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So tell, tell us a little bit about the work that you do around, uh, the body and, and the trauma and how we can truly heal. Yeah. So, um, yeah, somatic therapy. Um, so there's been so many, um, so many different approaches to, somatic work. So yes, uh, we have Peter Levine and we have um, Mr. Bessel there. We <laughs> have, <laughs> we have so many other, the, the one that's, uh, what is she, Ogden, Pat Ogden. Um, so the somatic approach that I use is, I, it's not somatic experiencing. It is a, it's a touch transformation therapy. So it's 
the somatic approach I use is influenced by Feldenkrais, um, who is also a somatic pioneer teacher, um, by Ida Rolf and the Alexander Technique. So these are old age pioneer teachers who discovered that by working with the body, we are releasing something huge. There's a huge release. You're releasing chronic pain, you're releasing trauma, you're releasing uh, emotions. And so, um, so I got into somatic therapy because I had uh, a big, big bout of an anxiety attack that just did not go away. I did live with, I do live with anxiety. Anxiety doesn't go away, but I do live with anxiety. And um, I had a really big bout of it um, a few years ago. And um, I, my cortisol level just was super high and I just got stuck in this loop of uh, high anxiety. And that's when I got introduced to somatic therapy, um, doing, doing the work myself. And, and I just loved it so much that I ended up getting um, certified into touch because I've always been a very touchy-feely person. And it made sense to me that touch, um, when someone is, um, that touch would be very comforting for someone who needed to, to soothe or kind of right, co-regulate, right? Or regulate, right? So, um, and so I firmly believe even me, being a participant um, or even as a client in somatic therapy that I know that um, that all of my senses, uh, all of the pain and all of that stuff has um, a purpose and it has a story behind it. Cause you're right, the body does remember we are 80% water mm-hmm. and water is memory, right? So it makes sense that we'll, we'll remember um, certain facets of our life that created a response, right? I know that um, I had a client that would um, walk to this particular store uh, when she was in the when she was in a neighborhood, and every time she walked past the store, she'd freak out because that's when they 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 mugged her. Like she, you know, that was a store where she got mugged. So all the time, she'll have this response, right? Even though cognitively she went through therapy she did her cbt and all of that and you know she she felt it was good but she was responding her body was responding with with sweats and high heartbeats and um you know flush skin so she was her body was still responding even though nothing was happening there was no danger right just a, it was just a fight and flight response saying i'm in danger here i'm in danger here because they're they they haven't forgotten yeah, which, you know, really makes me want to, you know, it, it's brings home the point that, you know, traditional talk therapy cannot get to the root of trauma. Because when you like do CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, you're only working on the cognitive level. And so when, when you're doing that, you're, you know, you, you know, you can't talk your way out of trauma, you have to get into the body to help release some of that. So, so talk a little bit more about the techniques that you use and how, um, what, how that helps release the traumas that people are experiencing. Mm. So, um, because my, uh, my technique is touch, um, what I'm ultimately doing is reconnecting pieces that have been fragmented due to trauma. And so we're talking about disassociations, um, 
And because it happens, we're, we all, at some point, we all get disassociated. Um, and especially when it's no longer safe to be in body. So, you know, obviously um, our body does our best to protect itself and, you know, this is the result. So, um, so what I find that when I'm working with um, any of the somatic clients, I notice that there are parts of themselves that they're not connected with. There's no good airway coming through from head to toe. So I help piece it together through a felt sense, right? Some like figuring out where in, you know, figuring out where your body's located. So what is it called? Proprioration? I keep forgetting the word. I should know this stuff, but <laughs> I don't use fancy words. So just looking at that felt sense of where is your body? Where, what is the, what is the gap between the, the bed you're on and, you know, and where the, maybe the pillow is, um, what are you sensing and of your direction of your body? Are you more tilted? Are you straight? Are you high? Are you low? So just really feeling everything out um, because we don't notice our felt sense. We don't notice the weight. We don't notice the sensational words that, you know, like people don't use sensational words anymore. It's like, oh, it's always like, I think, I think, I think. But it's like, how about I feel? What are you noticing in your body? So I help them um, put words into their noticing without any judgment. And then I encourage and facilitate conversation between um, parts of the body that may seem more um, tense or off or gurgly or, uh, you know, maybe uh, stretched out. So, um, so then communication and airway can start, uh, can start happening all while touching parts of themselves. Like I will touch their feet. I will touch their hips. I will touch their shoulders, their head, their neck, pieces of them to help them get, get reconnected to those pieces. Right. So, um, and that's the work that I do, um, with my clients transformational touch. Hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It sounds like really beautiful work, especially when you can really get some, help someone get connected to that felt sense, because that's, you know, I think that's where the, the shifts really can happen for people. It's about getting into like, where do you, where does that sense, where do you feel that in your body? And just allow that to be there without having to feel like you have to push it away or change it. Or, you know, because I think we're, we've been taught so much in our, you know, the Western culture, especially, um, and, and, you know, other, other places in the world, but like, it's, you know, where we're taught to push emotion away or push our bodies away or look to the external for the answers, you know, and, and look outside yes. of ourselves. But really when we take that time, you know, to take a moment and really focus on that felt sense and, you know, we can really do some of that deeper healing work. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I'm wondering too, cause I know a lot of people are maybe even afraid to go into that the depths of their emotions and that deep, you know, the deep healing work, because it's, you know, they're afraid that they're going to, if they allow themselves to go into that or to cry or to, you know, they're going to break down and it's going to be, you know, the worst case scenario. And so I'm wondering if you can maybe talk a little bit about that, about how, 
how um, if you've experienced that with people and you know how do you help them move through those fears about really diving deep into that healing work Mm -hmm. so you know definitely um i i i definitely do not ever suggest someone who um who doesn't feel safe in their body to go into their body that way like i feel it has to be like um bit by bit right and so it is it it is better to do it with a trained practitioner um to go into your body um but if someone who does maybe maybe a, a ballerina a dancer a movement uh, a person who moves a lot um they're always in their body right they're well mostly in their body right so cuz they're moving their bodies and so they have to feel the the steps and they have to do that so they're probably a better person to like it's safer for them to get in there, but I would always say bit by bit. And what I've noticed with my clients um, is that the feet is so, the feet tells so much. And I have seen a lot of my clients get triggered by me just touching their feet. So it's quite interesting um, to to kind of have that awareness. I'm like, wow, like the feet hold so much, but it makes sense because the feet has like 20,000 sensories um, underneath them. So they're carrying lots of uh, trauma, especially when they're so disassociated or maybe they're, they're flying above that them being grounded doesn't seem real because um, so their feet get triggered, their feet starts, they start shaking. So um, I definitely um, advocate for like getting a trained practitioner to help you through those, uh, to help you get safely in your body. And I almost feel like I have to say that it takes time to be in that place to get to try to move into your body. I think there's so much more work that has to be done before that in order for that to happen. Mm-hmm. Thank you for sharing that. Cause I, I think that's really important to recognize, you know, um, that it doesn't, it is a process. It doesn't have to go super fast, right? It's, it's about like peeling back the layers of the onion as I, you know, I yeah. common re- commonly refer to it because you're, you're, you know, even going into like, cause I, I do a lot of work with trauma with my clients and we really, you know, it's never about going into the worst trauma, you know, at first it's, I mean, there's so many layers outside of that, all those, the years of resistance and, you know, all that, those emotions that, you know, keep them safe, right? The defenses. And so we have to like work on, you know, that slowly and, and help, um, yeah, the slow, you know, slow process. Safety. Yeah. Safety and helping them. Yeah. Feel safe. And, you know, not only, you know, within, within their bodies, but also within, you know, the therapeutic relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I've, um, I always make sure that safety in capacity comes first before I touch anyone's feet. <laughs> mm. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'm wondering, um, if you'd like to provide us with a meditation or process for our listeners today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I'll just do a really small, uh, somatic, um, meditation. And so we know that somatic, like this somatic meditation, it can access different parts of awareness for the benefit of calming our nervous system. 
It also enhances our ability to be conscious in the present moment and letting go of anything that doesn't serve us. So oftentimes just by simply sitting and meditating can be a challenge. And so when we utilize something such as the breath or the body as an anchor, it makes the practice much more accessible. And when it's more accessible, accessible, it's also more effective. So with that said, we're gonna go and just find a comfortable seat. Um, and for the from for most of we're all doing this, we're gonna be seated on the end of the chair with the with our feet planted to the ground. Grounding is so important. It, and it's probably the first thing I do is make sure that we're we're always grounded. We're digging our heels into the ground and creating um, that awareness that there's something underneath us that we're rooted. Okay, and then we're gonna, if it feels safe, you can close your eyes. If not, you can, you know, maybe find a spot where you can slightly gaze at, could be the corner of a wall, wherever you feel most attracted to. And I want you to imagine that your spine is nice and long, as if there's a string pulling the chest up towards the ceiling. And make sure that the head is in line with the shoulders. And that the shoulders are in line with the pelvis. And now you're just your hands just rest comfortably on your lap. Maybe just a symbol of receiving receiving this moment, receiving awareness. And as you settle in and anchor in, allow yourself first to notice the sensations of your breath. How does the breath feel in the back of the nostrils? In the back of your throat? Perhaps maybe your breath is warm or cool. Just simply allow yourself to notice how the breath feels without putting a judgment on it. And just recognizing an aspect of experience without attachment. You now notice the texture of the breath. Is it cascading down in one solid motion? Or do you find that the breath appears choppy and inconsistent? And again, simply recognizing an experience without judgment. Notice the depth of your breath. Where does the inhale seem to stop in your chest? Where do you feel the expansion? Or maybe you feel constriction. And as you continue to breathe, draw your experience and awareness now to the entire chest cavity. Notice what's happening when you take your breath in and let go.
You know, maybe go down and notice the softness in the chest and torso, maybe even the shoulders. And just take inventory of the different sensations. Just imagine, or maybe try to move that sensation of openness and softness into areas that are a little bit more rigid and tense. And now that um, you are sensing softness, begin to permeate the rib cage and allow the awareness to settle down into the lower abdomen and the pelvis. And notice if there's any tension that meets with your breath. Maybe noticing if your body's resisting. Maybe notice where there's an openness. And just allow that practice of awareness to be an invitation to release, to let go of anything not serving you in the moment. Bringing your awareness down to your shoulders, repeating the process by acknowledging the tension and also the relaxation and also finding a way to merge the two into one. Bringing about balance and harmony within the muscular system, within the breath, and even within the nervous system. And that's closing. Stay with your breath for a few minutes. And just take a mindful scan of anything happening in your body. And just allow that inventory to reveal what areas where you can make shifts happen. Now gently invite awareness back to your breath. As you breathe in, simply allow yourself to say the phrase, I am open. And as you breathe, breathe out, say the phrase, I release. Returning to a normal, natural rhythm of breath, gently tipping your chin forward, maybe taking your hands together at the heart center, open your eyes, lift your head, welcome back. Thank you. That was beautiful. You have such a beautiful, calming, soothing voice. <laughs> Thank you. Very, um, yeah, I feel very just more centered, you know, it's just nice mm -hmm. to come back to the body, you know, and it doesn't have to take long, you know. Um, so it's, uh, it's such an important practice, I think that we can, you know, start learning to do. Yes, yes, I find that body scanning really helps me to, to look at where tension is, and then really just acknowledge that I think our, our bodies are always communicating with us. Mm -hmm. And they're always giving us these, these taps, these symptoms to like take care of me and and we forget, we forget mm -hmm. to take care of our bodies. Absolutely, absolutely. We just have to, you know, be open to listen and, and just, you know, acknowledge 
what they're saying. Yes. Yes, definitely. Mm-hmm. Well, Anita, I'm wondering if yeah. you can tell our listeners how they can find you and what you're currently working on. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. Um, I am on social medias, the Instagram and the Facebook and the TikTok. You can find me at um, Instagram, Y-E-G underscore Sana Soma and uh, Facebook under Sana Soma Integrative Center. Uh, yeah. So what I'm working on um, is I have released my online self-paced anxiety course. Um, it's called uh, Discover How to Transform Anxiety Through the Sana Soma Method. Mm. And it's going to be available to the public. And it is an integrative approach to transforming in your anxiety. And it uses all of my credentials and everything that worked for me when I was combating anxiety. Um, because what I've realized is that we need anxiety in our lives, but what we need is the education of anxiety and how to work with your nervous system to transform your anxiety. And it covers the, it covers all of the nervous system education and, and everything that has to do with somatic therapy, uh, cognitive behavior, behavioral therapy, hypnotherapy, and, um, and breath work. Mm. And so I'm so proud. This is like a two-year project. So that's what I've been working on. And uh, by the time this comes out, it'll be available uh, for the public to buy. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Anita. Yes, thank you. Thank you for yeah, this beautiful conscious conversation and for the work that you're doing in the world. And thank you for listening to our show. Stay tuned for more episodes being released on Mondays at 5.55 a.m. Mountain Standard Time. And if you've enjoyed listening to our show, we would absolutely love a five-star written review on iTunes. And of course, please share the love by sharing it with your friends. And if you want to support the work that we're doing, please consider making a donation to our Patreon website at patreon.com forward slash be the love podcast. And until next time, love yourself, love each other, and love the world. We love you. Thank you, Heather Lynn, for providing us with your beautiful song to accompany our show, Be the Love. If you would like to learn more about Heather Lynn and her music, please visit her website at heatherlynnmusic.com. And thank you, Christy Grace at Leading Edge Productions for the beautiful design and graphics. And thank you for tuning in. And until next time, we are souls on the journey to align to our divine purpose and shine our lights. So keep on shining.